The Bible is a weird and wonderful book. It is, feminists say, script for life. But it is parable, it is myth, it is law, it is story, it is vivid imagination, it's a theology of a people seeking their God. It is hyperbole. It is metaphor. It is grace. And it has a word for us. It is vision. Cast by people hoping that they were following the path that their God had laid out for them. I have to admit, the older I get, the more I read the Bible with a hermeneutic of suspicion, through the lens of suspicion. Any of the texts that are like woo-woo and out there and not about love, I really wrestle with them and I think, that's good, I get paid to do that. But I also, I think the older I get, cling to some texts that are especially about God's love that never ends. I really cling and cleave to the texts about peace and hope and joy, and I am absolutely inspired by these texts about vision, about a tomorrow where everything that is broken will be fixed. And those texts are all the way through the prophets. Joel, Hosea, Micah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Malachi, Zechariah. Whoever read Zechariah growing up? Mark Renstrom and me and, okay, five, six, seven, okay, eight, ten. Ten people read the book of Zechariah growing up, right, Tammy? It's a little book in the prophets where this picture of tomorrow is about old people walking around the streets in canes and they're safe. No motorcycles are going to knock them over. And the old people that are sitting in the streets with their canes or rocking on the houses or watching the kids play and the kids are playing safely because everything is all right. Everything is all right. Isaiah talks about what's old becoming new. I'm about to do a new thing. Can you not perceive it? Joel talks about the spirit coming down with such force and power and abundance that even children, boys and girls, will prophesy, speak the truth about tomorrow because there's so much spirit. And this text inside this scary book, this text is about John of Patmos's vision that the horrific circumstances in which he found himself, Nero's reign, empire time, new Christians, finally called Christians being persecuted for what they believe, a sense that there was a war, a tug of war, the temple had been destroyed and fire and brimstone and now there was no temple. John is writing this beautiful vision that he got from God about a tomorrow. A tomorrow when the home of God would be inside the people. You don't have a temple? That's okay. God is making God's dwelling place in you. You don't have a tabernacle anymore that you're carrying across the desert? It's okay. God lives inside the people. God makes God's dwelling house inside the people. All the people are God's people, the prophecy says. And God will dwell with them 
as their God and they will be God's people in a new covenant, in a new relationship, death will be no more. Crying will be no more. Pain will be no more. Because God is making all things new and the things that caused pain, the things that caused tears, the things that caused death have passed away. It's Memorial Day tomorrow. I come from a military family, dad in the Air Force, two brothers in the Army. I've watched them mourn people killed in war. John is prophesying a time when there's no more war, therefore there's no more death. There's no more enmity, there's no more suffering, there's no more boundaries to fight over, therefore there's no more death. There's no more this is my stuff and that's your stuff and let's make tariffs to make more money or less money and therefore there's no more fighting. He's prophesying a time when the glory of God is so profound in the midst of the people, the Shekinah glory, the girl neighbor love, the female neighbor love we've talked about, is so profound in all of us, we don't even need streetlights because the glory is so provocatively plain. I will be your God and you will be my people, all of you. This is the revolution about which John was dreaming. This is the revolution to which the prophets point. And in every church, in every hamlet, town, village, city across the globe, people get that this is their mission, their mission is to go and make disciples of all the nations. That's the church's generic mission statement. Go and make students of all the nations. Make students of this way, this new way, this love way. This love way that will end all wars, this love way that will disrupt all poverty and oppression. And so here at Middle Church, we've been listening to God call us out, call us in, in conversations and focus groups. Some of you stay for the congregational meetings. You've told us what you think and what you think you hear God saying to us. And we wrote it down because that's what staff are supposed to do. And it's in your bulletin every Sunday. Will you open your bulletin to the vision statement? It says middle church vision statement right underneath God of the ages. This is the piece of the Big dream, the Isaiah, Jeremiah, Joel, Zechariah, John of Patmos, big dream that we think we're supposed to do on this corner in this time, in this place. Visions are specific to now. Middle Collegiate Church is a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice powered by revolutionary love. Put your fists up when I say revolutionary love. With room for all. Following in the way of Jesus' radical love and inspired by the prophets, read this next line with me. Middle church is called by God to do a bold new thing on the earth. Keep reading. We aim to heal the soul and the world by dismantling racist, classist, sexist, and homophobic systems of oppression. Let's go. Because our God is still speaking in many languages, we work in interreligious partnerships to uproot injustice, eradicate poverty, care for the brokenhearted, and build the reign of God on earth. 
pause. Not parachute out of earth to heaven when you die. That might be awesome. <laughs> but we're trying to build heaven here on earth now. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. This activism is fueled by our faith. Our faith is expressed in art. Our arts are active prayer connecting us with the Holy Spirit. Middle Church affirms the transformative power of moral imagination, reclaiming and reframing Christianity inside our walls, on the street, and in virtual places around the globe. Friends online, if you're watching worship, you can find that vision statement under About Us. What, what do we believe? The vision statement is there, our vision, it says. So what does this mean? What does it mean to reclaim and reframe Christianity here and around the globe? It means taking Christianity back from hate. It means grabbing it back out of the jaws of the people who misunderstand Jesus. I feel a little sorry that they misunderstand Jesus, so I'm not trying to be mean that they misunderstand Jesus, but they misunderstand Jesus if they don't understand that Jesus was about love. If they mistakenly think that Jesus was about, who can I hate on today? And eh, wrong answer. If they think Jesus was about, who do I leave out of my congregation because I only want 25 or 30 of them to be with me, wrong answer. If they think Jesus, who was a Jew, is possibly anti-Semitic, that's a big old mistake with a big old red arrow. No. If they think Jesus would want children to be hungry while other people have more money than they can count, I think they've, made, they've misunderstood. They've misunderstood Christian. They've misunderstood Jesus. If they think Jesus wasn't about women speaking, standing up, having their rights, making the same money as men, and managing their own bodies. If they want to say something generic like the Bible says, but they can't point to it, first of all, walk away. <laughs> Unless you're ready to open up and show them some stuff. But if they want to say the Bible says, and they don't want to be particular about the fact that when a woman had been bleeding from her body for 12 years. Now, I don't want to gross you out. But before I had a hysterectomy, I had like six months of bad bleed. Like my fibroids were like, hello, let's bleed all the time. Six months of having to run out of here and get a new suit. Imagine 12 years of hemorrhaging. Men, can you imagine it? Women, you can imagine it. 12 years. And in her culture, in her time, that would have meant everyone saw her as unclean. Do not touch her. Do not be near her. Do not break bread with her. Do you understand? Ostracized for 12 years because her body was bleeding. Not her fault. What did Jesus do? Healed her. Just standing around. She touches the hem of his garment. That's how that story goes. And the love goes out of him. Just a touch of love heals her body and restores her place in culture. Those who believe that we need to over-legislate a woman's body, misunderstand Jesus. Those who do not understand that pro-life must mean, should mean, let me make a list. Pro-life 
Yes, I love babies, so let's be pro-babies, okay? But let's be pro-grammar school-age children who have to hide under their desks when the guns come out. Let's be pro-life and anti-guns. Let's be, amen. Let's be pro-children having lead-free apartments. Let's be pro some clean drinking water in Flint and in Haiti. Let's be pro LGBTQ people dancing in a club and don't have to have guns shooting at them. Amen? Amen. Let's be pro black and brown trans women who are murdered just for being black and brown trans women. Let's be pro that life. If we're going to reframe and reclaim Christianity, we just have to dial it down to get to what Jesus is saying to us about what it means to be a Christian. I'm sorry, he didn't say Christian because he wasn't one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what he means by being faithful is to love God with everything we have and love our neighbors as ourselves. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Middle church, this is your vision. You've put meat on that because what you're saying is to love my neighbor is to feed them. Let me, let me have some food. We used to have Oreo cookies when I got here. Oreo cookies and coffee are delicious but not nutritious. Amen? <laughs> Let's feed people who you might not know that's the best nutrition they're going to get in a day. Let's build butterfly sandwiches and take them to the park. Let's work for a living wage and for time off. That's what you do to fulfill the love of your neighbor. Let's make sure that our children get out of cages and reunited with their families. That's what you do. Let's make sure that those people seeking sanctuary, asylum, because America put policies in place to make their darn houses and towns unsafe, let's make sure that we can still be the land of the free, operative word free, and the home of the brave. Let's make sure black and brown lives matter all the time, every day, 24-7, not just when the hashtag is popular. Let's make sure that our uh, police officers, our safety officers actually collaborate with us to keep us safe. Somebody say amen to that. Let's be sure, because we love our neighbor as ourselves, that not only Bertram and Jason, but every gay couple can get married, be married, stay married, raise a family, and be treated as though they are children of God because damn well they are. Amen? This is how you put meat on love God, love neighbor, love self. You put meat on love God, love neighbor, love self, with, with a vision that can see the eyes, see the world through the eyes of God, a vision that can see your neighbor as beloved and precious and vulnerable and needing our care. We are the only, and when I mean we, we I mean humankind, there is no work of God without hands, feet, and heartbeat of the folks on the ground. We are the love army, amen? And the work that we're called to do is to multiply love every day, all the time. Not only what we do here at the church, but the way you be in the classroom, the way you be when you're doing therapy, the way you be when you're doing auditions, the way you be when you're raising children, the way you be when you're sitting at the temp desk, making some money until you get that next gig. The way we be human as part of the love army 
is the way we serve our God and grow the vision of God. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the old one had passed away and there was no more death and there were no more tears. Woo, aspirational, lofty. Of course we're going to cry. We're going to cry because somebody says happy birthday and makes you feel squishy. We're going to cry because our babies walk for the first time. Or we're going to cry because our hearts are broken at the world's uh, situation. But this sense of an existential death, of the sense of a, a, a collective sigh of tears because the world is unjust, because the systems are broken and need to be repaired. John sees that we are agents of change, capable of making a healed and whole world. That's what gets me up in the morning. Our partnership, our collaboration with the holy to fix what's broken, to make straight what's crooked, to make low what's high, and to lift up all the people, all the people everywhere, not just the Christian people, but all the people on a plane of love in relationship with our God. Are you signed up for that? Are you ready to do that? Do you want a revolution? Woo, woo, do you want a revolution? All right, middle family, I'm enlisting you in the love army today. Amen. The reason we friends are called by God to do a bold new thing on the earth is for all the little people, for all the little ones, all the ones, Benicio, Nophelia, Dominic, Carlo, all these babies, Ruby and Lake, all these babies, they're our babies and they deserve a tomorrow in which the earth is still alive and breathing. They deserve a tomorrow in which there are no more hungry bellies. They deserve a tomorrow in which racism is something we say, what, was there ever a time when we didn't love everybody? You've got to be kidding, when was that? They deserve a time when no one's wondering about LGBTQ justice, because it just is. They deserve a culture in which they feel safe and loved and welcome. This is our work. This is what it means to be a love revolution. This is what it means to remember the future. The future God promises us, where everybody has enough. So Rio and RJ want to give you a blessing with Auntie Jackie to say never feel daunted by the world's crazy. Know that we've got every good gift and enough love to heal it all, to make it well, to bring the future to bring. Say amen with me. Amen. Amen. amen.